This episode is brought to you by WeatherGuard Lightning Tech. At WeatherGuard, we support design engineers and make lightning protection easy. You're listening to the Struck Podcast. I'm Dan Blewett. I'm Alan Hall. And here on Struck, we talk about everything aviation, aerospace engineering, and lightning protection. All right, welcome back to the Struck Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dan Blewett. On today's show, we're going to catch up a little bit, talk about some uh, good coronavirus news with uh, quarantine-free flights from American to Italy. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Airbus and Air France uh, standing potentially standing trial over 2009 crash and a potential partnership between Rolls-Royce and Boeing. In our engineering segment, we'll talk about grounding today um, as it kind of relates to some of the new Boeing 737 issues, which that plane remains embattled. And then lastly, a bunch of EVTOL news to catch up with, some really interesting stuff from Volocopter. We'll talk battery tech a little bit, re-lilium and beta technologies. So, Alan, how you doing, sir? Hey, great, Dan. We're almost out of COVID in the United States. I know the mask mandates have been lifted recently and and or will be lifted at the end of the month so that's that's a really good sign i i, I hope our friends especially to our friends in europe and uh in india and south america uh, can get to this point relatively soon i know there's, a, there's still a lot of a lot of coronavirus going on around the world and it's really serious in certain parts so from the aviation community standpoint it's a big problem uh, Travel is yeah. still going to be limited for the next several months easily. Yeah. Well, and so some of us reporting uh, on American Airlines, they're offering customers flights quarantine-free from JFK to Milan mm. and uh, and from JFK to Rome. So yeah. basically customers will have to provide proof of a negative COVID test and then also get a, a COVID test when they arrive. But after that, they can pretty much go about their merry way, which seems like a you know big sort of breaking of the seal um, because international travel has been a big no-no, right? It it has been, but it's also really done a lot of damage to the economies that rely on vacation there's some business travel. It's just been slammed, totally slammed for more than a year now. And it's it can't go on much longer without really having lasting, lasting consequences. And so it's good that at least where we can do it, we should be starting to open up some of these routes. Obviously, uh, having the COVID test <laughs> makes infinite sense. Having been vaccinated, I, I had my second vaccination over the weekend, and that was an experience. But if we can do Get more of that, 16, your, your little sixteen hours of sickness. Oh yeah, it was here now. It did. It really did. It really did. It felt like yeah. I. It felt like I was having the flu. Every part of my body was achy and tired. It was amazing how fast that reaction happened. Uh, but hey, I'm willing to go through that if I could travel again or, or travel mm-hmm. more. I've already traveled quite a bit during COVID times, but it's it's you're always like super cautious about wherever you go, and rightly so. I mean, the the vaccine mm-hmm. is not going to prevent you from catching it necessarily, but it'll just knock the symptoms way down. And hopefully, as we get through the summertime, more of this type of travel will happen. Yeah, and interesting. I was reading an article earlier about the Yankees and how they had a little COVID outbreak recently. And it was kind of exploring that idea that, well, the vaccines are pretty effective 
Um, but even when they're not completely effective at preventing people from getting COVID, because obviously all of the Yankees players were, you know, vaccinated. Um, Long ago. Yeah. But yeah, but nine, I guess nine got it and seven were symptom free. So that seems like a pretty good result because I think that for a lot of us at the end of the day is just what everyone's worrying about. It's like, would you be that one person that really has lingering effects? And and obviously a lot of people have lost their lives. So that's, well, that's good to know that even if you for. get it, it's just like yeah. a normal sickness and, you know, not too, too bad where it's going to really, you know, you could lose your life or be in the hospital or exactly. really those long-term effects. That's the, the big thing. So, right, right. Yeah, and that's where it gets back to normal life. If it really was just like a bout of the common cold or just something moderate, then, you know, that's humans have been dealing with that forever. But obviously it was not that for so long. It was pretty scary, especially when people are yeah. still still dying as we learn more about it. Yeah, and I had traveled over the last week or so across the country on some business travel, and I was shocked at the number of people that were traveling. It was midweek. uh in different uh, different stops along the way from west coast to east coast and it was amazing at the number of people that were traveling and, and it at the level of of tension you could feel it at the gate was a lot it's much 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 less everywhere you were even the the restaurants and things were starting to open up again in in the in the uh, walkways and in the taxiways all that stuff was open that was closed for at least a year starting to crack open again and which is a, a good sign but i always feel you could feel the panic last summer when you're traveling it was very serious it was really serious mm -hmm. travelers and everybody was minding their p's and q's the whole time and this last time it was people going on vacation clearly going on vacation uh clearly going to like some people were going to vegas to have a good time so you, you just saw a lot more general activity it wasn't like a needed travel time so, so things have changed a good bit. Gotcha. the vaccines helped a lot all right, so moving on, I want to get your opinion here. A uh, recent article about Airbus and Air France, uh, they're potentially going to be ordered to stand trial uh, in a criminal uh, sense over a 2009 crash that uh, 228 people lost their lives, specifically related to freezing of, was it pedo tubes or pedo probes? Or are they interchangeable, Alan? Interchangeable, pretty interchangeable much. Interchangeable yeah. And so it sounds like they had icing issues and it sounds like uh, there were some service, you know, bulletins or mandates to swap those out. But yet this issue still happened in the plane. Uh, I guess, what is it? The nose got a little high during the during the flight and they stalled, stalled and, and crashed. Yeah. Fell out of the. Yeah. Fell so out of the sky. I, I guess the big question is why? Why a criminal complaint here rather than just a civil um, a civil one? Well, it's a, it's it has to be related to specific French or European law, and in the United States, I think this would never get this far. There would be settlements and signing of documents to prevent future lawsuits. But in this particular case, I think because it was everything's internal to France, right? So you got Airbus and you got Air France, and then you have a lot of French families. The, the flight was coming from Brazil to France. And it pedo probes most likely iced over based on the data from the crash and all the the reconstruction that happened. Airplane stalled, fell about forty thousand feet into the ocean, and no one could figure out for the for a while like what had happened. It was just so bizarre of an incident to have happened. the The legal ramifications are odd in the sense that 
if you're trying to prove negligence, it's going to be hard to do that uh, because the regulators al- allow the pedos to be changed over a period of time. You can't, unless there's like something really, really severe happening, it's rare that uh, a IASA FAA, Transport Canada, just grounds an airplane and says, you got to fix this, like FAA did with the 737. That Those situations are very rare. Usually there's a time frame if they have some sort of known issue and it's not catastrophic in nature they'll let you make those changes over time because the airplanes need to be in service and all those kind of things so there's an out for air france and airbus which is that the the regulators allow them to do this and i'm sure that's what they're going to point to now what happens in a a french civil court who the heck knows what's going to happen there but if you're going to hold somebody culpable for that then it's good most likely it's going to be some engineer somewhere <laughs> unfortunately uh and that's just a bad situation because when you start going after engineers who are, who are doing at least theory or doing the right thing there's own miss you know intent to, to kill somebody clearly uh then you're assigning intent to kill somebody or to kill a couple hundred people that gets hard to prove in a courtroom realistically. Uh, but if they do find somebody guilty, every engineer that's working on Airbus or Air France is going to be totally tight about what they're going to sign off on forever because it isn't like they're making a decision in, in, a, in a vacuum. They're making a decision with all kinds of people who knew about it. There are probably hundreds yeah. of people who knew about it from, from the lowest mechanic to the highest mm-hmm. people in the corporations knew about it. What do yeah, you think? It, it's an interesting concept because back in the day, uh, and this was from, I can't remember which book I was reading, that if you built a bridge, you would have to sleep under that bridge for a couple of days to essentially like <laughs> yeah. have skin in the game. Yeah. I mean, and there's, and I think there's some merit to that. You know, if you built a house yeah. and it collapsed on the family that you built it for, you were going to be in serious trouble, like in, either imprisoned or maybe even killed. I mean, obviously this is a long time ago, but mm-hmm. There's some merit to that, right? And we're not saying that you oh, should sure. be killed if, you know, any, by any stretch, but like there is some merit to having skin in the game. And, and like you said, if you know there's serious consequences to not thinking through one of these solutions that could cost people lives, you're going to think a lot harder about what's going on. But like, like you said, this is such a, in today's society, it seems like these are civil penalties, not criminal penalties for, you know, because like you said, if you're an engineer and you say, I have some concerns, everyone else is like, oh, no, it's going to be fine. We've all checked it. We agree. And then then it comes back to you. That seems really problematic, right? If it's right. a whole team signing off rather than just one person. Like if I just built you a house myself and it fell on your family. Yeah, like this was this was on me. Right. But if it's a whole team and all these big companies are really large with lots of checks and balances then it just becomes a lot more difficult to point the finger at one person and assign criminal criminal fault. right well i i think in in the in this particular case i think they noticed that the pedo probes didn't have the corresponding uh or proper amount of heat in certain high altitude icing situations and it's all about how hot you can get those probes to keep ice off them and, and the situation would be if if there's always risk everywhere. If you saw that that was a situation, would you raise it? Maybe, maybe not. You know, with the mm-hmm. worst case situations, you bury it, and all those airplanes were at risk instead of just the one. Moving on, uh, let's talk about Rolls Royce and Boeing. So they're potentially holding discussions 
to start a new aircraft program. And it sounds like they yeah. want a mid-range jet. Alan, what is what do you what feels like mid-range to you? So they said somewhere between the 737 and the 787. I mean, yeah. what what market does that hit? It hits a lot of U.S. markets, South American markets, European markets, uh, Asian markets. Uh, it fits a lot of different areas. I, I the the curiosity is like what size is it going to be? How many passengers are we talking about? Uh, because that's always been that weird spot. Like what is between a seven thirty seven and um, like even a 757 like a 757 has been gone for quite a while they're still in some are still in service but there's that triple seven seven four seven on the big end seven six seven on the big end and you got the we well, used to have 727 um 717 when that was around for that brief moment 737 so slightly larger than 737 i guess the 787 doesn't really fill some of these roles like they thought it was going to and an airplane kind of gets a persona after a while and, and they get slotted as to where its useful market is because the airlines figure it out pretty fast. So if, mm-hmm. if there's a marketplace in there, slightly, is it a stretch 737? Is it a re-engine 737? Is it a, is it a max plus? Like, what is this thing? And, and nobody knows yet. But it, the, the, the thing about Boeing and new aircraft programs that sometimes Boeing is doing things just to jerk the chain of Airbus or to jerk the chain of Embraer. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of sabotage, corporate sabotage going on all the time. And I wonder, you know, how real is this thing? Because, I mean, you haven't heard much coming out of Boeing for quite a while in new designs. And you wouldn't think they have a lot of cash flow to go out and do something new. So you kind of wonder... Mm. How real is it? Is this is this another play to make Airbus flinch and do something like make it 380? Or is it something real? Who knows? We're going to have to just keep our ear to the ground and see how it progresses here. All right. So moving on in our engineering segment today, let's talk about grounding. So Boeing has had some more issues with their 737 MAX. Uh, yeah. They basically have sort of uncovered a manufacturing issue where they weren't getting full metal-to-metal contact uh, because of the way, a, basically, the, the manufacturing process of a hole being drilled. Um, and it sounds like they had called initially for it to be uh, like a, a layer of coating applied and then the holes drilled. And apparently that got reversed and uh, impacted grounding. And now 60 of the aircraft out of the 200 in, that have returned to service are now... Um, grounded for this issue so um mm. alan let's talk a little bit about grounding in general i mean this is obviously something that doesn't it's not a you know like a sexy topic but it's a really important topic when it comes to airplane design sure it is it's i've heard differing reports if you look at the different news sources they say slightly different things and i want to just sort of mm-hmm. lost in translation thing between engineers and reporters but uh it sounds like at least in the one article that i read recently was it's a coating on some fasteners and i mean fasteners is like rivets things that attach structure to structure or boxes to structure and in this particular case it sounds like they had they changed the coating on some fasteners and the emergency power distribution box uh wasn't grounded the way that it should have been well that's a problem from a system safety standpoint because you need that thing to go fly and something as small as some coating and it literally is less than a thousandth of an inch, most of those coatings. Uh, something like a coating on a fastener or a coating on a piece of metal can 
degrade the performance of the system can lead to seriously could lead to catastrophic results in theory that's mm-hmm. really really serious so if you're in a manufacturing scenario like Boeing is or any of the aircraft manufacturers Air- Airbus has the same issue when you've got thousands of parts hundreds of thousands of parts and you're talking about the finish on a couple of pieces of bracketry or rivets uh, being changed for for who knows what reason bulk buys um, engineer didn't realize trying to save time they put it as an alternate oh there's a thousand reasons why you get into the situation but those little small changes can have bigger system impacts and uh, you need to have a system in place that engineers who know how that system works electrically mechanically operationally need to be involved and even some of the minor discussions and changes that happen on the manufacturing floor so i think i got caught most likely got caught because they're doing bonding checks and they had some come up bad and then red flagged it and engineers start coming down to the floor and figuring out what was going on and it's not uncommon because there's so many moving pieces and so many things happening simultaneously on an airplane build it, it's it's an easy thing to occur and, and it, boeing took the took the range on this basically away from the faa in a sense that they identified the issue they identified the aircraft, they identified the repair, and they said, well, this is what we're doing. And the FAA just sort of said, well, okay, that sounds good. So the FAA didn't really have a lot of say in it because Boeing had already developed the, the fix for it, which is a little bit unusual. Usually there's a little interplay between the FAA, and like here's the situation, here's what's happening, here's the options we have, here's what we'd like to do, and there's an agreement. In this particular case, Boeing's like, we can't afford to have any more screw-ups. We're going to kill this problem right here, right now. And FAA, are you on board? And the answer is yeah. yes. So away they go. But mm-hmm. uh, simple things like really simple things like coatings and paints and those sort of things seem irrelevant, but they have a big effect on system performance. They just do. Yeah. And, and this article from the EE Times just highlights that Wall Street Journal had one mm. reporting of what the issue was. Aviation Week had another, like you said, another yeah. report of it. And the Seattle Times had a different report that just sort yeah. of got they weren't exactly sure you know which was the right one but like you said yeah. it's uh it's a huge thing i mean and you and you do this all the time i mean engineers contact you about a radome design and they're asking you it seems like a lot of nitpicky solutions but they're not right they're saying what size screw <laughs> is this what what size right. you know strap or you know like why are all those details i mean especially on like a rate like a radome um i mean why does the size of a screw or, or a fastener that you know creates a you know the final electrical connection why does that matter so much i mean is it just current especially when you're dealing with like lightning yeah. strikes yeah i mean it's, it's how much energy a, a piece of metal can handle and the bigger it is the more likely to be able to handle a certain amount of energy and even coatings will play into the lightning survivability of a particular kind of fastener uh, all those little details do play into it and so you have to be very specific. We need to use this kind of fastener with this kind of coating, and it needs to be connected to this kind of bracket. With uh, because if you don't, it may come apart in flight, and you may start losing pieces mm-hmm. off the radome, which never is good, especially if you suck them into an engine. So you you really want to be sure that you've properly sized the the pieces one and two that the coatings are right, and that you have the proper electrical electrical connection. If you do all those things right. You'll pass lightning tests, no sweat. It's just when you forget about a detail. And I've seen it happen many times where a company runs out of that particular 
fastener finish and they and they're going to a test they grab another faster fish just shove it in there it's the same size faster what's the problem boom you know a lightning test it blows the thing apart well things little tiny details do matter here and that's why uh, a lot of a lot of companies and engineers reach out and say hey to me and say what do i need what specifically do i need all the way down to faster finishes and the size of the fasteners and the, even the sometimes the material is it stainless steel crest or is it regular steel cad plated whatever what what works in this situation and i usually have a list but that is a common question and, and all those little details matter they always do they always do All right, so in our EVTOL segment today, let's start with Volocopter. Alan, they've done a lot of really cool things. I've liked their design. Oh, you've you've liked their design a little bit. Yeah. Um, they have a brand new one called Volo Connect, which is a longer range uh, air taxi, uh, potentially a four seater, very futuristic looking. I've always liked their. I mean, they are like they seem to be like the Apple, um, like their design color <laughs> yeah. schemes and stuff like yeah. that of the EVTOL market, but. Um, this looks like a big, big change and obviously a different market, which, you know, I think we both expect that you're going to continue to see different iterations. Like everyone's had the same sort of like, let's do this, you know, short range, but this one's a significantly longer range, um, you know, bigger payload, uh, vehicle. So, I mean, what sticks out to you about the Volo connects, um, you know, aesthetics and aerodynamics and just the design of it in general? Well, the the need for vertical takeoff and landing really drives a lot about the design. And if you if you go online and take a look at, at the, the aircraft design, it has a couple of booms essentially uh, that tie structure together. So there's these two long booms, and there's a bunch of motors and propellers on these booms that provide the vertical takeoff and landing aspect to it. So the, from a design standpoint. I, it seems functionally this will work, right? It, it's very similar to the beta design that's uh, that's happening now. Those, so those two aircraft are very similar in nature and the way they're structured. The the penalty for the vertical takeoff and landings, but it seems to be huge though, in the sense that you got these two structural, big structural pieces which are heavy and they're full of extra motors that you don't use for forward flight at all. So they're only used in very short spurts in the beginning and ending of flight. It makes you wonder if that weight cost trade-off is worth it. Is the vertical takeoff and landing that valuable that you want to eat that weight cost complexity aspect or is short takeoff and landing a better option? Because there's a big discussion in the aviation community. Like if I had 200 feet of runway, is that enough? Maybe that may be enough. And then, and then the vertical, I don't need the vertical. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I get rid of hundreds of pounds of weight and complexity. Uh, I just need a 200-foot stretch of, of uh, grass or asphalt to take off and on off. Maybe. Maybe. It's, it's going to be a very, very interesting fight, I think, coming up. Because some of the aircraft designs are, are eating that boom weight and motor weight, and some of the aircraft designs are basically incorporating a standard aircraft configuration without the extra structural components. So what they're doing to get the vertical takeoff is basically tilting the motors down to provide vertical thrust. So there's not extra structure there. And you got to think that that's a much cleaner, simpler design to, to basically tilt the motors and not add the, the boom weight. 
it, to, to me, and, and Dan, I know I've, I've been watching a little more and paying a little more attention to what the the, the, the sale price of these aircraft are going to be. There seem to be hone, honing in on the four to five million dollar aircraft price per aircraft price, which seems extraordinarily high to me right now. That the competition, in a lot of cases, is probably a Sesto. 206 or mm-hmm. Beach Bonanza kind of thing, which are a lot less money. It's just a lot less money. Yeah, well, and if, and if you start getting to where they're not EVTOLs anymore, then you say, well, what about one of these other companies like Ampere that mm-hmm. doesn't... Yeah, or buy. You know? Or buy aerospace, yeah. right? It has a basic standard electric design, and it buys going after the king air market on the twin market. is where they're headed. But... That that's a really good point. Like, how much vertical do you need? And maybe in spots of Europe, total, you know, London, I think, yeah, Los Angeles, New York, probably Houston, United States, maybe Chicago, okay. But after that, you know, those the, most of the you know, American cities are not that dense where you there's not dozens of runways around them particularly in the midwest there's all kinds of runways all yeah. over the place you actually open a chart and look there's runways all over the place uh so do you need that vertical aspect and i i uh, the market's going to determine that but you'd hate to see hundreds of millions of dollars invested in something which doesn't produce a, a useful aircraft yeah. or, or or a sustainable company at the end that's that's the worry yeah, because the I mean the EVTOL aspect of it, that vertical takeoff and landing, that seems to be the big thing that no other like Ampere can't do, but they can do a lot of other things well. Just like with Tesla, mm-hmm. they're going to be suddenly competing with a lot of of similar electric cars. Oh where yeah. What's what's Tesla's standout feature after that, or is it just the fact that they're first to market and they have some, you know, the the premium veneer and brand awareness and um, brand user uh, interface you know, value. Yeah, so inter- even right. then, if they're going to be closer to, you know, someone's going to say, "Well, why spend seventy-five grand on a Tesla when I could spend forty-five on a pretty nice-looking Volkswagen platform or a Chevy?" Right? They're just going to get yeah. to that point. Whereas if you lose the EVTOL thing here, now you're competing with all the other, like you said, and like buy airspace and all these other ones, and now it's a whole right. different ball game where five million dollars doesn't work for anybody. Buys you know, a jet. You could, yeah. Yeah. So buys a nice jet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's, that's range an interesting problem. It is. It, it's a very fascinating problem because in any other marketplace, I don't think this gets the funding that this is received right now. I, in the automotive world, I don't think you'd see it. I don't think you'd see it in many other types of sort of consumer product industries. I don't think you would see the investment. I think COVID has helped. There's been a lot of money sidelined, and there's been a lot of money um, that's just been waiting to invest in something cool. And so here you go. A lot of the companies are based mm-hmm. in Silicon Valley because there's a lot of cash hanging around there. And not in Wichita, which doesn't seem to have, or Dallas or wherever, it doesn't seem to have those kind of investors sitting around willing to do that. So you got this really unique time frame space, but the connection to the consumer market hasn't quite gelled yet. So we, yeah. we have a little more fallout here still, I think. Another couple of months of trying to figure this out. Well, and speaking of investment, uh, Fidelity and Amazon have backed uh, beta technologies, which mm-hmm. they have a really, like, I, I think their design's pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It 
kind of looks it like is. a helicopter with a big wing and yeah. i don't know what's the what's the technical for those two <laughs> things on the top i'm gonna lose here i'm just calling them booms yeah booms okay booms Propul- um, i guess a propulsion booms of some sort because that's what they're there for yeah. they're only there to provide platforms structural platforms for the motors that's it mm-hmm but beta is now a unicorn, so they're valued at 1.4 billion with this new funding round. And it seems How like is that Am- makes sense. Amazon, <laughs> Amazon. Well, if you have a lot of money in the bank account, you're valued at at least that money. So they've got you are. a lot of cash. Oh yeah. yeah, but they always have that weird multiple to it. Like, oh, I get it. it's worth whatever the money mm-hmm. they have in the bank is, but then where's the multiple come from? And <laughs> what's the track record of yeah, the bank that multiple? Because is the next round of investment on that on that multiple? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I, you know, the thing about Beta, which is, uh, well, I think all of them are, all of these aircraft companies are in non-standard aviation manufacturing centers, is that you're going to have to build a lot of infrastructure. And so some of that $300, $400 million is going to go into buildings and infrastructure and tooling and blah, 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 all the boring stuff that costs a lot of yeah. money. You're going to be pouring some part of that in there. And I, and I don't know if $350, $400 million is going to do it. It doesn't feel like it. And a lot of aircraft programs have been a half a billion to a billion. And it seems like they're a little short yet. Now, they may be taking a more cautious approach at beta, which it does seem to be the case, by the way. Uh, They they seem to Mm -hmm. have a well-thought-out plan. The question is, how fast is that cash burn? And can you get through certification with that that level of funding? I don't think so. It's going to be close. so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting to watch because there's so much need for so much cash. Your investors are, are going to be really limited, I think, unless you start looking, like a lot of companies, start looking overseas. And there's been a lot of Chinese investment, specifically Chinese investment in American mm-hmm. aviation companies for a number of years. That's where they go when they sort of run out of cash is, or they, when they're desperate for cash. They tend up with Chinese owners. We'll see. Well, and with Beta, they've had, you know, we and we reported on this a couple of weeks ago that they had the big uh, order with UPS and mm-hmm. they've had, they have a good order with um, United Therapeutics to, to carry organs for transplant and the right. uh, U.S. Air Force Agility Prime program. So they're Which one of the, the few who have a lot of potential, you know, buyers oh, for sure. these planes. They have these orders. I, so yeah, that's if a, you read, it's a big piece of it. Did you read the, the, the story that came out of Vermont talking about the different investors they have. And there's a, a lot that the investors can do to drag in potential customers. It's sort of a who you know network. That's a limited, it's like on the yacht end of, of, of boating. Right? It's sort of who you know. You have to be in that circle of people who have the cash to, to, to fund these things. And I, I think they're doing a good job of connecting dots between uh, investors and operators. They're, they seem to be doing the right sort of um, social interactions, uh, meet and greets that, that must be part of their plan. And it seems to be paying off for them because they have, mm-hmm. they, they, they fully invested in that in that first real seed of funding. Uh, but boy, you know, it, you still got a long way to go. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, it, it's funny how just like in a Kentucky Derby, you know, until you're really down the home stretch, you just don't really know. I mean, it seemed like what Joby was the big player just yeah. a couple months ago, right? The darling. And now yeah. Beta's got three big orders and 
got a lot of good backers. It's just interesting how like they're suddenly like really vaulting towards it the front. Sways. So it's, right. it's, yeah, the, it's, it's changed a lot, even just in a handful of months, half a year. So we'll, oh, we'll yeah. see what, what happens. It will change. It will change aviation for the next 20 years. If they can sell some airplanes, it will totally do that. Well, that's it for today's episode of the Struck Aerospace Engineering Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. And obviously, we're on YouTube as well with video versions. We'll see you here next week on the Struck Podcast. Strike Tape, WeatherGuard Lightning Tech's proprietary lightning protection for radomes, provides unmatched durability for years to come. If you need help with your radome lightning protection, reach out to us at weatherguardaero.com. That's weatherguardaero.com.